Welcome, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, everybody out there tuning in to Only Half the Story podcast. This is where we interview the most passionate of the passionate people who are in the pursuit of achieving their goals and dreams. On today's episode, we have Brian Freed, and he is a man on a mission with a story to tell, and I am pumped for everybody to tune in and hear what he has to say. So I'll keep the introduction short. My name is Andrew Haft. This is Only Half the Story Podcast, and let chapter four begin. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on board today. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic, Mr. Andrew Haft. How about yourself? I can't complain. I know we were chatting earlier before we started this, and I just knocked out a fantastic yoga session, and now I'm feeling like I'm on cloud nine, and I know you can relate. Oh, <laughs> oh that, that just sounds like pure bliss to me. Right, right. So... <laughs> so I, I want to start off this episode similar how I started the last one. And, and for those who may not know who Brian Freed is, can you give everybody a bird's eye view of who you are, where you're from, and, and just what you're all about? Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, second, I heard that you were putting on this podcast and putting together you know, people that are on their way to reaching their ultimate goals. Uh, the first thing I did was give you a text and say, how can I be involved? And it, this is an honor, so thank you for that. Uh, but to get into things, born and raised on Long Island, maybe more specifically, I grew up on one side of town. I actually lived across the street from my grandparents until around the second grade. And from there, my sister, myself, mom, and dad moved to what we call the uh, college streets. And right in your backyard, actually. Oh, yeah. Right oh, yeah. So for those who may not know, Brian and I go way back. Um, Plainview Hawks, travel day, soccer team. We were athletes. We were all-stars on that team. <laughs> <laughs> so. I may have spent a little bit more time on the ground and getting myself dirty than actually kicking the ball, but hey, we, we all live and learn, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was a good time. All right. Well. Yeah, so, yeah, we, uh, we had some uh, great history together, always been a big sports group of guys uh, focused on whether it was wrestling, football, soccer, hockey, you named it, we play it. Okay, yeah, exactly. I think that was a, a typical childhood growing up in the <laughs> suburbs. And and so you grew up in Long Island. You We went to high school together, obviously, there, and then you went to Penn State. Is that correct? That, that is correct. Penn State University, class of 2016. I uh, followed in my older sister's footsteps. Uh, she made me visit her her sophomore year, and ever since I fell in love, couldn't go, could not go back. Okay, we are. <laughs> oh yeah, we are Penn State. That's uh, one of my favorite things. Was uh, whenever a tour would be walking by, they encourage the students to scream it, and then you would scream, "We are!" And then half the parents would just look around, like, "Are we supposed to respond to this?" And looking at their kids, and the kids like Penn State. And little <laughs> do they know they're going to be chanting that every single day in every single game. Uh, that's funny. That is funny. All right, so so for and we're going to dive into this a little bit later. But what you're up to today is you are a big deal 
at the Madison Square Garden Company with the New York Rangers. So you don't have to flatter me too much. Just a hat. There you go. Well, that's okay. That's okay. So you're working for Madison Square Garden, and like you were saying earlier, you had a huge passion for sports, and I think this can relate to so many young people who grow up who all have the aspiration to become a professional athlete and then when they stop growing the realizations really occur to them where okay maybe I won't be in the NBA because I'm 5'8 on a good day could barely jump over three feet maybe hit the occasional three behind the arc but then you never know who knows that could actually happen and I hope it does if that's your dream but you said you had a huge passion for sports and now you're working in the sports industry. So I want to know all about how that came to be for you. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, like, like I said, we always were playing sports growing up. I love that competitive nature. I love the winning. I loved working with the team to reach that ultimate goal, whether it was becoming in first place, winning the playoffs, you name it, that was the goal and you want to achieve it. Uh, like you said, you start realizing that, you know, the actual playing the game may not have been the best strong suit for me in order to progress my career within the industry. Uh, and then luckily, our high school, JFK, offered several different marketing, business, administration-related courses. So I took it upon myself during my sophomore year to get heavily involved with, uh, you know, DECA, which is one of the marketing uh, programs that we have working on international competitions, as well as other uh, business-related courses. So I learned about the business side of things. It that combined with my interest in sports really led to me down the road figuring out that I want to be in the business side of the sports industry. When I uh, went away to college, I was focusing, I was a marketing major with an entrepreneurship minor, and I participated in the sports business club as well as the sports marketing association. So I got even more uh, hands-on experience working with different sponsors and seeing how they work on a day-to-day basis. And fortunate for me, I was able to obtain internships with Lagardere Unlimited, which is a sports agency represented by Joel Siegel. I was working in the client services realm of things on sponsorship with rookie contracts. Then the following summer, I actually got an internship with MSG in the department that I'm currently in. And fortunate enough for me, my manager now, who was a rep at the time in my role, remembered me from the internship, gave me a call my senior year and asked me to interview for the final position on his team. And then by last summer, I then worked with Penn State's hockey team, getting the operational aspect of it under my belt. So I really want to get a full understanding of the industry from top to bottom to be able to then, at a point where I have to decide which way I'm going to go in my career, I have a taste in all different facets that I can then focus on which one I had the most interest and the most success in. And it happened to be on the ticketing and service side of the industry. Wow. So a lot of work came to, to to where you are today which is awesome which is really cool and i kind of want to bring it back to the childhood days so we, yeah. we kind of like saw everything that you're doing today and i kind of want to rewind a little bit and and kind of see like okay so when you discovered sports was for you like wh- what was that pivotal point where you kind of came to that realization was it just the competitive nature that it offered when you were playing sports in the backyard with all your friends Yes, that definitely, I, I've always been a competitive person, a little bit uh, of an aggressive factor to my personality, and I always was just a go, 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 we got to get this, we got to be the best type person, to the point where uh, there were points in time where I would think to myself, is this really the goal that we're aiming for? Is this a goal that I'm focusing on and not taking into consideration what my team wants as well? Uh, and that was something that was able to then reflect on, take a step back, and think to myself, 
what about this is making me so energetic? What is making me thrive in this realm? And I realized that just your passion for for winning and what that meant at that point in time is a, as a child, be able to beat your friends in a game. Uh, that was something that really set the bar for me into where I wanted to go with my life, not just career, but pretty much every uh, aspect of it. Yeah, I, I can relate as well. I think there's no better feeling than winning. And the fact that now that you're working with all these professional athletes and you really get to see firsthand what it's like to win and what it's like to lose for them, it's it's an experience you probably can't trade for anything else and definitely can't necessarily relate to the backyard basketball pickup game that you had with your friends because now it's at the professional level. Yep, the, uh, the level of play definitely steps up a bit from the Plainview uh, high school teams to the professionals uh, all around the globe, and that was definitely something you could see how much their work ethic and whether it's well reading Kobe Bryant's uh, Mamba Mentality articles or looking how Cristiano Ronaldo prepares himself for the World Cup uh, they they put their heart and soul into every waking moment to achieve a goal, uh, whether it is to be the best player on their team, to be the best team in the league. They are doing everything in their power to do it, and it, it's mesmerizing the uh, the dedication that you can have, especially when it's such a wear and tear tear on the body and mind. Yeah. I can see that. So, so what is it like working at Madison Square Garden? You said you were on the client relations side. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, of course. So I'm in the uh, ticketing, suites, and premium hospitality, COE, as we call it. Uh, I manage an account base of approximately 500 Ranger season ticket members, which amounts to approximately $10 million in retainable revenue. Uh, so my main goal is bringing that revenue back year after year after year. And it's not just picking up the phone, calling somebody and saying, hey, do you want season tickets? These are companies, families, law enforcement officials, philanthropies, schools, you name it. I manage that type of account who are using their tickets all for different purposes uh, and finding ways to give them the best world-in-class experience in order for them to want to come back for another year of it, especially, for example, after this year where the team did not perform as well as they have over the past nine years. Uh, it, it comes down to what I'm able to do to convince them otherwise that this is the right investment for them. I am not that big into hockey, so I don't follow the New York Rangers as much as you do. And you said they weren't all that great the past eight to nine years. Is that correct? So for the past nine years, they made the playoffs and they made great runs. They went to the Stanley Cup. They lost. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost. They went to the semi, the, the, sorry, the divisional. They lost. And then this past year was the first year that they did not even make the playoffs. There was a lot of things with you know, trading players, trying to rebuild, uh, which the team actually made a press release about. And it makes my job harder because uh, I have to convince people at that point, hey, I know we said that we're not trying to win this year. We're going to rebuild and it's going to be a few years, but you should come back next year anyway and put in ranging from 10000 to to $100,000 of their own money. And it's a, it's a hard thing to convince someone when it's such an emotional aspect of their life as sports is to all of us. Yeah. So would you say that all the clients that you deal with are just as passionate about the Rangers or do you feel like you have to pull some teeth out of them to really get them to come to the games? Uh, you know, the, it, it depends on the client. You know, there are some people that it, it's just a diehard true blue fan that they all they care about is how the team is doing. Uh, there are some of my clients that are more on the corporate side that use it for entertaining. So they may not necessarily need a win. They just need their clients that they're hosting 
then they sign a multi-million dollar contract for them to enjoy himself and for his kid to have the best day of his life. So I work with the account holders to ensure that those members and their guests are taken care of in those regards, whether it is working on experiences such as meeting a a player after the game in the locker room, uh, Zamboni rides for the little kids, surprising them at at the games, different events that we host, uh, ranging from pregame happy hours to a player prospect cruise where we had all the Rangers prospects on a a cruise around the Staten Island, uh, on the Staten Island Ferry around the Statue of Liberty with some of our top-level clients, different things of that uh, nature to really wow and give them special moments that they'll never forget. That is what the ultimate goal is, which then leads to that uh, revenue coming back for another year. Okay, so it's going the extra mile with customer service. Exactly. You know, you got to be continuously innovative to customize that guest experience because especially with this day and age and the way the technology is influencing everything, uh, finding ways for just the human interaction to make a difference is been a little bit more difficult. But I feel that myself, along with the rest of my team, has found great success over my uh, past two years with the organization. Do you have a particular example where you just put the biggest smile on a kid's face who went to the New York Rangers game for the very first time and didn't necessarily know what he was getting himself into or herself? Yeah, uh, well, this one, it, it's a, definitely a good story, but he's been to, this is a, a, one of my clients, he is a director of business development for a law firm, and I got to know him at the start of my career here. We went to a couple games, I'd go surprise him at a seat, say hello, bring him uh, anything he would need, and then at a point, he was with his son, and his young son was came up to me and said, this is my 96th game that the Rangers are going to win. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, this kid can't be more than 12, 13 years old, and he already has almost 100 wins on his belt. How am I going to make an impact on him like when I was a kid and I had an impact made on me? So uh, I found out who his favorite player was from his dad, and then I kept Mark. Every time that he was at a game, if they won, I put a check mark next to it, and next thing you know, 97, 98, 99, 100. And at that 100th game... I surprised him with a message on the Garden Vision, the big jumbotron at the center of the arena, saying, like, congratulations, I'm going to call him Mike, because for his sake, <laughs> congratulations, Mike, on your 100th win with the New York Rangers. I uh, hope you enjoy your surprise. And then I showed up behind him with an autographed puck from his favorite player, a whole sack filled with different Rangers memorabilia. And ever since then, every time I see him at a game, he just he gives me a nice high five, pats me in the back, says thank you for everything, and, and we go on with our days. And just knowing that I was able to make that impact on him, uh, knowing that he will never forget his 100th win at MSG, that was something that really stuck with me at the start of my career. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, to this day, he uh, even he, he called me once and he said, yeah, I'm about to uh, go to prom and I want to ask this girl at prom, can you help me in any way? And I was able, you know, because of the relationship that we've built and that i built with his family in particular, I helped him with a, uh, a prom proposal at the game on top of it. So just continuously finding ways to make things happen for these members is uh it's a life-warming experience that helps with the day-to-day grind that we go through. That is crazy. So going, <laughs> going to a New York, I because I saw you see those types of videos, and I never even understood how they even go about to make that happen. And going the extra mile to make sure that your customer is having the best experience possible, I think you just took it to another level. That's that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
all about finding the little things that mean a lot to others. It can be such a small thing to you, but it could mean the world for them. And it's such an easy thing to, you know, to go out of your way to do that because the reward is by tenfold. I can't remember the, I can't even count the amount of times I've shared that story because of how much of an impact it's made on me myself. Oh, I'm sure. I, I, I think yeah. you're setting the bar high and I think anyone who's in a, in a customer service position, that's a good story to learn from because I know I can. But I want to backtrack to your Penn State days, if that's all right with you, because I know you were a part of many charitable organizations that allowed you to give allowed you to have the opportunity to just give uh if you know what i'm referring to i'd love for you to share that experience yeah definitely do and uh you know this i i contribute a lot of my successes and who i am today as a person to my experience at penn state over those four years uh so for starters i pledged a fraternity, the Beta Sigma Beta fraternity, my freshman year. And then uh, towards the end of the spring semester freshman year, I knew for a fact that I wanted to be as involved as possible and lead the organization to greatness. Uh, so I took it upon myself. I uh, ended up being nominated for the vice presidency and then eventually turned that into the presidency for the organization my sophomore year of college. Uh, with that, I learned a lot to do with you know, leadership, time management, the way that things can be handled and should not be handled. One of my greatest lessons from that uh, moment of my life was that I'm sometimes going to have to make a lot of tough decisions that most people will not agree with. However, the greater good of the future is in my thoughts and when I'm going through that that process and I know that I'm going to make a positive impact down the road that I'll get a thank you from later on. And that was something that, you know, it's, it's hard as a 19, 20 year old to go against what your friends want and to, to have to be the, the bad, quote unquote, bad guy, like the bad parent in the situation, not letting the kids have fun type deal. But I think that really helped me mature at a young age to the point where now I'm able to really think and use a process where I'm able to really take all the information at hand and lead to the best possible outcome while exploring all the alternative options. Uh, after presidency, I then participated in, as you refer to the uh, philanthropy aspect of things, we call it its 10 States Dance Marathon, where uh, year after year we raise upwards of $10 million in uh, donations and charities for the uh, for Diamond Foundation, which raises money for kids with pediatric cancer. Uh, and that was one of the most rewarding experiences I, I think I ever had. I was our head bond director, and I became very close with the family we represented, uh, the Creasy family uh, in Pennsylvania. They have a son, Andy, who had stage four neuroblastoma, which uh, now, knock on wood, has been approximately five years uh, in remission, which has been unbelievable. And just seeing the look on his face and being able to provide him and our other family, the more family, with the support and the friendships that they need and throughout you know, this difficult time, something that most people uh, never experience and know of someone who's experienced. Uh, and this all raising approximately $10,000 for them year after year was a, a goal of mine. And we actually raised up upwards of $80,000 for the organization. Uh, and then Fortunate enough for me, that led to our senior year, which we called the dance, which is a 46 hours, no sitting, no sleeping dance marathon. I was fortunate enough to be one of the dancers for Beta Sig and Kappa Delta, who was our sorority partner in this. 
and be on the main floor of the basketball arena with you know, thousands and thousands of Penn State uh, students raising money for this final day of this amazing year-to-year cause. 46 hours of no sleep to advance. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was pretty wild. <laughs> I always was thinking to myself, like, I, I knew that I would be able to withstand the, the sleep deprivation aspect of it. My concern was standing for 46 hours. You know, your leg gets tired, you need a quick little massage, you name it. Luckily for us, I had a great support system. My uh, my family all was there for a majority of it. They would come in and out. They would go home, grab some sleep, come back, support me. They brought up a uh, Bell Vista Buffalo chicken roll for when Ooh. I really needed. So that was uh, an unbelievable uh, surprise for me. And then just being down there with some of my best friends and my moraler who was assigned to me to you know, keep me going through the dark hours, you know, the 2 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the morning when you know, the crowds are... Uh, light, the, the energy isn't as high as it was during midday, uh, and just if one of those experiences that you think to yourself, you look at the kids smiling, laughing, have the greatest time of their lives, and what's really going on in their lives, and how much pain that they've gone through. That this is absolutely nothing. That I can do this. If he can do, if he can do what he's doing today, I can do this right now. And it's uh, it's a motivational factor to have them around us. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that that has to be quite the experience. I'm kind of I'm kind of jealous, and I envy the fact that you're able to do something like that because our school didn't offer a similar program. But I, I want to take it back for a second because I think there are a lot of examples that could be shared about the synergies of leadership and being able to just give, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely understand where you're coming from on that, and uh, it's a great question because. To be completely honest, when I was in the moment, I don't think I'd be able to give you a straight answer. I think that my process was definitely a work in progress, and to this day, it still is. Every day, we can continue to better, uh, be more efficient with how we come to conclusions and draw reasonings on things. Uh, one of the things that I really like to do, and I, to this day, enjoy doing is I'll write out the situation, whether it's, let's say, something as simple as, we want, they want to have, my attorney wants to have a party on Friday night, but unfortunately there is a early uh, parade Saturday and we can't have our yard looking like a typical frat house would. Do we have that party or not? So I put it down and then I'll do like a tree diagram. Well, I'll do one side yes, one side no. And then from yes, what are the positives that could come from that? What are the negatives that could come from that? Same thing with the no. And really breaking it down to the smallest bit of information that you can contrive a decision on was something that I found to be very helpful. And which side had better pros versus the cons. Hmm. Uh, and that kind of leads back to, you know, you're going to have to make some tough decisions that not everyone may like. And you have to look at it very objectively and from an outside perspective in that, yeah, they're my friends and I want them to quote unquote like me, but I also know that they will move on from this decision in probably even a day because they know that where my mind is at and the pressure that I'm under and what my ultimate goal is for the entire fraternity as opposed to one fleeting moment. Wow. Yeah, so just taking the analytical approach to how you're going to make these big, tough decisions. Yeah, removing removing emotion from them is very important. Yes, you have to keep all things in consideration, 
But if you can look at that from an objective viewpoint as much as possible, you'll find a lot less heartache on your decision-making process and the decision that you land on. For sure. Yeah, I think there's a lot that I can learn from that too because when you move, remove emotion, I think that I, I love how you said that because I think that when you're making tough decisions, especially whether it's in business and life or anywhere else, the emotion tends to sway to one end that might not necessarily bring to the best outcome. Agreed. Cannot agree more with that. And you know, at the end of the day, I always would tell myself after I came to the conclusion on what that decision would be, I would always remind myself to just appreciate and embrace. And what I mean by that is you know, appreciate that I've been given, whether it's given this power to make this decision or been given this opportunity to make an impact on someone, embrace every aspect, every step of the way. You know, the journey is all part of what we call life. It's not just that end goal, that destination. And if you can, you know, always saying take a step back and look at it from an outside viewpoint, uh, you learn a lot more, not just about the situation at hand, but about yourself and what your values are and where you align yourself uh, down the road with all different aspects of life. Definitely. That's a really unique perspective. I never really thought about it that way. I like that. I uh, definitely, definitely have to credit my mom for that one. She's a very uh, <laughs> optimistic, I love to embrace, spiritual person. And, and it took a, a few years of me making fun of her to realize that what she uh, does makes a huge impact and it, it leads to the legacy that she's going to leave behind. Hey, you're And mom, I want to follow her footsteps there. Moms are always right. I learned that the hard way, too. <laughs> they are always right. Moms are always right. I don't care what the situation is, they're right. <laughs> yeah, just don't tell my mom I said that. That's okay. That's I don't okay. want to go to her head. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Moving moving forward, I, I, I'm glad that you, you shared about your college experience and you shared what you do at MSG. I kind of want to bring out the big picture of what the foundation is for Brian Freed because knowing you, I know that you're – you're very big into self-help and and just a self-improvement type junkie where you're always looking to better yourself. And I'm really curious to hear and learn what it is that you do on a daily basis to make sure the best version of Brian Freed shows up every day. Wow, that, that, is, a, that is a great question. And it's uh, definitely one where you, know, you want to, you always wake up and you want to say to yourself, this is going to be the day. And it doesn't have to be an actual objective, but this is going to be the day and that something will happen that I'm going to make happen. I'm not going to let life happen to me. I'm going to make life my bitch. And uh, one of the things that I've been working on over the past uh, month and a half has been my morning routine. I think that's the one kickstarter to the day. You know, we, we've had conversations where I've asked you, what is it like waking up at four in the morning to go work out before work? Uh, and talking to our friends, so what is it like to drink certain types of uh, coffees and, and liquids that kind of help with the brain metabolism and, and energy focus. Uh, and one of the things I've been working on, I guess, since the past month and a half has been what I call the SAVER routine, S-A-V-E-R. The S stands for silence. So I wake up, I do 10 minutes of meditation. Then I go into my affirmations stage, which, you know, talking about just positive reinforcement, what I have going for me and what is going to help me reach my goals in the long run, which then leads to the next stage, which is the visualization, which is what is Brian 10 years from now look like? What is he doing? Where is he living? What does he have? What does he know? What does he want? 
And then from there, strategically place, how am I going to reach that objective? And then that leads to, you know, yearly goals, monthly goals, and weekly objectives down to the, to the T of each individual day. From there, I go into my exercise portion, the E portion, where I'll do 45 minutes to an hour of exercise every day, whether it's hitting the gym, going on a run, or my favorite, which has been yoga, uh, anything to really get my body stimulated. You can really feel the difference in how you approach your day when your body is awake as high as it can be, because then your mental capacity uh, it also has this, as a, an unlimited feeling. From there, you go into reading, which is anything you want, whether it's uh, reading up on the, the current situation with world politics, with financial markets, with real estate investing, or just to, uh, like to your credit, with the uh, self-help. You know, I've one of my favorite books of all time, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Rich Kawasaki, uh, the Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu and Douglas Abrams. All these books and you know, endless, countless others uh, are continuously helping me find new and improved ways to handle myself and to go through life on a day-to-day basis. And it's it's been a relatively eye-opening uh, thing over the past two and a half, three years, especially with some of these books, to seeing the growth I've had myself personally. Okay, Wow. That, that's that's a fantastic answer. And is that an exercise that you do on a, on a daily basis? So, yep, at this point, it's been every day for the past month and a half. I, I used to do just a grateful journal, which every morning, and I still do that within this saver routine. It's kind of how I finish it. I just write down three things that I'm grateful for uh, every morning, and sometimes it can get repetitive, but other times, you know, there, there's some little things that you don't realize how appreciative you are. Uh, for example, I'm currently out east in the Hamptons right now, and I'm sleeping in a room where I woke up this morning at 5 a.m. to the sound of birds chirping and the wind blowing. And I was just appreciative for the serene moment that I was able to have upon waking up. Uh, and then, so that, that old gratefulness always is a good way to, uh, you know, wrap up the morning because it just leaves you with a positive mindset, especially with, uh, and being realistic on things. Not everything is so positive in this world. So focusing on that good can help you by tenfold in achieving your dreams, living a day-to-day life, and being a good person. Taking a step back. And just seeing the bigger picture from the start of the day, just to know it's hey, it's it's not all that bad. We we got it good. And we we got it pretty damn good. We got it pretty damn good. I think it's important to realize <laughs> that on a daily basis because whatever you think that you're complaining about, it's 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 nothing in the big picture. You you mentioned within your 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 morning and and daily exercise where you have the favor activity. You you mentioned that there's a portion where you you think about the greater vision for Brian Freed. What, what does that look like? Uh, you know, I get this question often. And, you know, what, what, what do you want to do in five years? What do you want to do in 10 years? And it's, uh, to be blatantly honest, Andrew, I don't have an answer for that. I have five. <laughs> I have such ambitions in so many different realms of life. Now, I want to live and look back on my life where I'm on my deathbed and I could say to myself, I've lived a happy, ambitious, curious, hardworking life while providing some sort of support in one way or another to those that have been on this journey with me, whether it's family, friends, colleagues, coworkers, you name it. If you've made an impact and if I can make an impact on you, I want to. And you know, my someday goals definitely do need some work, but I've learned 
from the young point of my career that this is a marathon, not a, not a sprint, and you know I'm still getting my groove going. Uh, in regards to division professionally, it depends on where I end up working. If it's with MSG on the team side of things, I want to move into the more premium realm, which is working with multi-million dollar, multi-year leases with Fortune 500 companies, whether it is the uh, corporate sponsors that we have, the Chases, the Coca-Colas, uh, working with those clients or working with just a higher, uh, higher net worth individuals and their companies on their ticketing side of the business. If I were to look more of the uh, agency round, like I did for my first internship, uh, I loved working with athletes and sponsorship deals and finding ways to source them the deals in their new respective towns, especially with the rookie contracts. Uh, that was one of the coolest experiences. I was able to really work hand-in-hand with the agent as well as Tavon Austin, who uh, was a wide professional wide receiver, uh, and just figuring out how can we align his personality and his traits with a possible partner. So that was one of the coolest experiences that if I were to go down that route, it would definitely include uh, client services. And then lastly would be on the sponsorship side of things, which I could work for a team, the league, an agency, or an individual company such as Gatorade or any partnership company, Amheuser-Busch's of the, uh, of the sports world. So there's a lot of different avenues that I could go. Uh, I guess to answer your question in a matter of a few words, my vision is to continuously try to be better and see where that takes me. I love that. I, I send some ambitious goals out of you and I absolutely, um, I'm all for it. I'm all like, I, I think that's the coolest thing ever to be the best version of yourself on a daily basis. But then I love how that you have the specific goals regarding your career and what you do plan to achieve on a, around five, 10 year yearly basis. And I'm curious, do you sense any, any foreseeable challenges that might occur that that may make it a little bit more of a difficult journey? Yeah. A couple, a couple of things that, you know, make something about the sports industry that uh, it compares to a few industries, but it, it's very, very cutthroat. There's no, uh, hey, we're going to create this position for you type mentality. It's someone needs to quit, get fired, promoted, anything in order for that position to open up for me. So I think the biggest challenge is going to be patience and time and waiting because there are some people that are still in the role that I'm currently in for five to eight years, and they are still waiting for that big break for them. But then again, there are others that prove themselves at such a young point in their career that there's the Knicks manager, for example, that bounced from account executive to inside sales manager to Knicks service manager in a matter of you know five, six years. And that's an unbelievable career path to do at such a young age that it's, uh, it's inspiring for me to continue to, to strive for that. Another big challenge is, uh, you know, we work and I like to focus on other aspects of my life, you know, my relationships, my health, my spirituality, my physical, uh, physical critique and finding a good balance between all these different aspects of life is probably the greatest challenge I face, not just professionally, but just as a human living in this world, which I think a lot of people can relate to is balancing that time. Definitely, definitely. Is there anything that you do to balance your time now where you kind of make sure that you have all your priorities in check? Uh, yep, I have every Sunday I will sit down and I have a calendar in front of me. I know exactly what I have on my calendar, what's scheduled and planned. That's my OCD speaking and I absolutely love and thrive for it because it has been a great help in you know, balancing it out, especially you know, moving into the city, 
whole new life, taking care of myself, a lot different than in college. Uh, that was definitely an interesting transition. But on that weekly basis, I say, what do I want to do for my health? What do I want to do for my job? What do I want to do in regards to my relationships with friends? And whether it's keeping up and planning phone calls in advance with certain people, whether it's planning in advance of what days I'm going to stay back at work in order to prospect uh, to lastly, you know, what am I going to work out every single day this week? How am I going to do it? What time am I going to do it? If I'm able to plan as much as possible in advance and have some sort of set structured schedule, the little things that come in later on, it will be easier to plot them in that free time. And uh, like I say, it's all a work in progress. But it's definitely a huge, I would love to see what Brian two years ago would be doing if he didn't start this trend. I'm excited for that moment as well, because I think right now what you're doing on a daily basis is is a recipe for success. So I'm looking forward to hear this interview two years from now and just see the progress that you've amounted to. Uh, I think, you know, Andrew, after... Uh, we definitely parted ways a little bit going away to college and then starting our careers, but I think that us coming back together the way that we have in the group of guys that we talk to on a regular basis in this you know, this effort to be the best that we can be, it's, uh, it's really, and I use this word a lot, it's inspiring. It's inspiring to have people that you knew growing up that are on that same wavelength trying to be the best that they can be in all different realms of life. It's a reassuring practice. I couldn't say or agree better. Honestly, that's really important that we're all on these same kind of journeys and paths and and who you surround yourself with is, is going to be a big portion of the trajectory towards reaching, yep. reaching to whatever you're striving for. Um, I, I want to start to to throw some rapid fire questions at you, if you don't mind, as we start to conclude this fantastic interview. Um, yeah, shoot away. You would love them. The, the first question is, what type of advice would you give to your younger self? Ooh, that is a good one. Yeah, my younger self was uh, an anxious, fidgety, million miles per hour person. So I think the greatest lesson I've had that I would love you know, young Brian to know would be to, to take it slow uh, in that, you know, Everything is going to happen the way it should happen if you're putting in the work and the effort, but you don't want to run past, for example, in baseball, first base, you could run through the base and you're safe if you run through, but when you get to second and third base, if you run past it, they could tag you out. Don't run so fast that you can't stop on the base. I think that's the best analogy I can give for that uh, in that, you know, take it slow, take a step back, because in the end of the day, life is going to move on with or without you and the more control that I have over myself and what I do, what I say, what I think, and then what eventually turns into habits, if you can have that control and really take a step back and think, it's going to make a huge impact in how you handle yourself in all aspects of life. Definitely. Definitely. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, Next question. And you, I tend to do these on all of my interviews where we kind of answer the question before I want to ask it, but I'm going to ask it anyways. It's if you were to build a, or if there was a habit that you've recently picked up and it has made a significant impact on your day to day, what what would that habit be? Or what is that habit? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, 
I, I know I touched, like you said, I touched on my uh, favorite routine in the morning. Yeah. That's uh, definitely something that has made a good impact over this short period of time. Uh, but looking a little bit longer term, over the past year, year and a half, I have taken up weekly vinyasa flow yoga, which it connects the mind and body all together. So it's not just the typical yoga, reach out, stretch, which it does hit that point where you get you get your physical body into the motion, but they contribute that with, you know, the the teachers, they go through different stages of, you know, clear your mind, focus in the sense of meditation, focus on being here and being now. Think about how you arrived to this position on your left side and how that may differ from the position when we did it on the right side. But that is okay because it is your body and your mind adapting to an uncomfortable situation. And I was able to take that and I apply it in all different aspects, especially the true concept of simply breathe. Just breathe. For example, if you're running and you're panting, you're going to lose your energy real quick. But if you're able to control your breath and take it slowly, nice and in and nice and out, you'll last a lot longer. And that can kind of contribute to taking it slow uh, in all aspects of life, as I stated in my advice for my younger self. So I would say my my yoga practice, as well as my most my more recent routine, have been very very uh, helpful and habits that I look forward to continuing down through life. Awesome. So I I recently got into yoga myself and. I couldn't be more thankful that I did because if anyone is contemplating on doing yoga, just do it. You'll thank us later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last question is, is you did touch on this earlier, but if there was a particular book that, that is your, that is your go-to that you recommend or gift to a friend, what what would that be? You know, that's a, that's a question that I just want to give them my whole library. But if I have to choose, uh, there are two that kind of stick out. And it, in regards to how you handle your everyday life, one of them is the Book of Joy, which I mentioned by Douglas Abrams, the Dalai Lama, and Desmond Tutu. Uh, Douglas Abrams is a famous author who he and the Archbishop Desmond Tutu flew to see the Dalai Lama uh, to celebrate his birthday. And they were just sitting around talking about uh, different memories and aspects of their lives and learnings and lessons that they continue to learn on a day-to-day basis. And just just the title in itself sums it up. It's the book of joy. Life is a book of joy. There are hardships, and that is true, and there's no avoiding it. There's death. There's illness. There's relationships that go bad, whether it's marriage to divorce or friendships that disappear. There's the ability to lose your job or for your finances to go down the shitter. Uh, but in the end of the day, if you're able to look at what you have and be appreciative for the good and the bad, because the bad is going to help you in the long run, because you learn the greatest lessons from the failures and the bad. And with, with that book, I was able to really take a step back. So I was going through a difficult point in my life. What do I really want to do? How am I going to achieve my goals? This book put things in perspective for me because people like the Dalai Lama, who to me is a famous spiritual figure, he considers himself a simple monk. And just the humility that he can hold in that regard, it's, it's pretty eye-opening, which then leads to the second book, which I, I've read at least eight times this year, just because of how much it it's, it's such an eye-opening experience because it had to do with the Holocaust. It's called The Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. 
where he actually goes through his experiences in the concentration camps, getting moved from ghetto to ghetto, losing friends, gaining friends, and just the mentality of, to, in a sense, kind of like the Jimmy V survive in advance realm of things, and how he was then, once freed by the army, how he handles his life on a day-to-day basis, and how he didn't, he doesn't let the terrible history and past that he had affect him to the point where he can't move on with his life. It's they're two very eye-opening uh, situations in which it brings you back to surface in in regards to humility. Wow. Okay. So it's the book of joy, and I I apologize. The title of the second book is I'm going to go purchase that. <laughs> A man's search for meaning. Man's search. Writing it down as we speak. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you you mentioned you mentioned the book earlier, Andrew. The uh, how to swim with the sharks without being eaten alive. I am already on Amazon and I'm ready to click buy. Yeah. So thank you for that one. <laughs> yeah. So how to swim with the sharks, but not without being eaten alive. Written by Harvey McKay. And if you were to put that book together with how to win friends and influence people. What did I say earlier? You get Beyonce. <laughs> you get Beyonce. That's a good. That's a pretty damn good book combination. <laughs> yeah, that's, those are my go-to. I, I we work in business. We work with people on a day-to-day basis, so I'm always trying to improve my way of how I interact with the world. So, um, all right. Well, thank you for for sharing everything that you're up to these days. I have one last question for you, if you don't mind, and. I'm going to bring it back to the premise of this podcast for those who might be tuning in for the first time. This is called Only Half the Story Podcast for two reasons. One, my last name is Haft. And for two, we're only halfway there. I think in a lot of interviews and talk shows and podcasts, the featured guest is someone who's at the pinnacle of their success. They are viewed as industry experts. And let's be honest, we are just starting out. So I want to really dive into the people that are super passionate in achieving their goals and dreams and really dive into what they're doing on a day-to-day basis to make sure that they're on track to achieve them. And my goal for this show, because you are the fourth guest, so thank you for that, and my goal is to do this for a year straight, so 52 guests total. So my ask is if you can think of one person that would be a great fit for this show, Will you please send them my way? Yeah, I uh, I definitely have a, a list of, of contacts that I think would fit the premise and really give a full circle view on different aspects of life as well. Uh, one of them, a good friend, uh, Johnny Johnny Wincott, he is currently a broadcaster for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, the Mets Double A team. He's been on uh, one hell of a journey, going bouncing around state to state, league to league, team to team, and he's on on the stretch to be the next uh, announcer for the New York Yankees. That's his, that's what I see him down the road, down the road. So his journey uh, along with most sports journeys is a very, very difficult one, but he's using it and he's grooving away with his connections and his friends that have also been in that industry. I think he would be a fantastic fit, as you know, from the conversations that uh, I'm sure you and him have as well. He just brings out a light in telling a story that it's mesmerizing and it's something that I try to use myself uh, when talking to others and being able to paint a picture. I use his methods. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I'm definitely going to reach out to him then. And then another one, a good friend, uh, Zach Feldman, he is currently in Atlanta, a real estate analyst. Uh, Another person that he connects 
every aspect of his life, whether it's his spirituality, whether it's his physical 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 attributes, uh, his hardworking and his, his work ethic with actually being in the real estate industry, he's another person that I think can give a, a good insight into a different way of going about things. All right. Well, those are two people on my list to reach out to. So thank you for that. All it's right. my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. I'm I'm very very excited to see. Uh, where this, like you said, two years from now, looking back on these and where we are to see how it all started. Definitely. Yeah, I'm excited for that point too. All right, so that concludes today's episode. Brian, once again, thank you for for joining us. And um, that's it. Thanks, man. Thank you, Andrew. Always a pleasure, my friend. And there you have it. That concludes chapter four of Only Half the Story podcast with the one and only Brian Freed. If you're digging the show, feel free to give us a like, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. Do whatever you got to do, but let's get the word out. My name is Andrew Haft. This is Only Half the Story podcast, and we'll see you next time.